Hi, this is The Courage to be Kind. It's a podcast exploring the restorative role of kindness in healthcare. I'm Penny Taylor, health journalist, and I'm in conversation with Dr. Elizabeth Kelly, who's been working with the Carnegie UK Trust to understand medics' experience of kindness during the first wave of the COVID-19 pandemic. Elizabeth, we're going to be talking about kindness to others here. What did you find in your research? Um, Courage to be Kind was based around about conversations, reflective conversations we had with people who were already passionate about kindness. And all of them were working in frontline services during the pandemic. And the report focuses on the first part of the pandemic and the major shutdown, the reopening in July, and the fear anticipation of what the winter might look like. They told us about the energy and the common purpose. They told us that the barriers and targets went away and allowed people who they were working with to focus on, on the patient experience. They recognised that it actually did feel like an unkind environment to work in, but there was a common purpose was powerful and the desire to have a conversation about how to build this into the future was really important alongside the fears of returning to the old normal. It ties in with what John Sturrock reported in the 2019 report into the allegations of bullying, harassment in NHS Highland, where he said that kindness is what is needed. I've also had personal experiences of, of kindness and unkindness, Penny, and I think it's something to recognise. To work in teams and to with others who are kind makes coming to work a joy. It allows you to flourish, to fly, to feel valued, to use your skills and resources in a way that you were, you hoped you would be able to do. You worked with colleagues who um, you would spark off each other. Um, you'd have a, a, a social time together. Um, and you'd also be vulnerable together where things didn't go well or patients died. Um, perhaps there was a complaint came in and that you were able to discuss it openly um, and learn from it. I've also worked in environments where unkindness was the prevalence um, and how undermining that was, how difficult it was um, to feel valued. You questioned your own self-worth and your abilities. And when complaints came in, it wasn't shared. It was directed towards one person. And I'm sure we've all got lived experience where we can recognise the difference between kindness and unkindness. And we have a fundamental role as people to be kind to others and recognise that actually by being kind to others, how enabling that can be. Just think, Penny, of the, maybe in the last couple of days, the, the acts of kindness you've received, what a difference it makes to your day. Um, and actually, just let's, that's a very human response to kindness. And to give and receive it is something that we should all celebrate and to notice. Now, if you're working in a, a particular team with a particular culture that isn't particularly kind, Elizabeth Kelly, you know, what can you do about that if you want to change that? So as an individual, I think it's first of all important to recognise that it hurts, that actually when you're experiencing that, that it actually isn't all about you and that you're not at fault, but actually there's something that's going on here. Finding and speaking to a trusted other, um, that may be somebody not 
in your work environment, but actually with your within your social circle to talk it through. Uh, but try to keep those. What I would say is to try and keep those positive the, those conversations neutral, um, recognizing the qualities that are there, the assets, if you like, and not having a deficits based conversation all the time. I think then. I would say that there is something within the team of actually um, enabling a, a wider team conversation. Having the courage to be kind here comes in, very title of our report. It's not an easy conversation to have, but it's a conversation which you could start off by saying, do you remember such and such instance? It didn't feel kind to me. Could we talk about it, please? So you're not coming with criticism, you're not coming with blame, but you're wishing to explore something because it felt unkind to you. I think the, the, the last thing I'd like to touch on is, is leadership. And leadership isn't just the, the role, Penny. It's not just the chief executive or the chair or the government. Or It's actually those people who take a natural leadership role within the environment in which you're working. And their approach and attitude and openness to conversation is absolutely fundamental. So I would say that anybody who feels they've got a leadership role um, should look at actually how they can be kind and how they can look at what are the situations that put pressure on themselves that may mean that they're not as kind and what impact that might have on others. So that fundamental thing of being kind to others is also about recognising when things cause difficulty for you and that might actually end up being unkind to others. So there's that balance. Kind to others is also important to talk about being unkind as well. Would growing a culture of kindness within a service, do you think, have an impact on the quality of healthcare that people receive? Undoubtedly. Um, and if we talk through that essence of kindness about seeing somebody as a person and being valued, there's also a report I'd just like to quote. It's a study on the role of kindness in improving outcomes for patients with cancer. And it was reported in an article by um, Bob Kleber called Kindness and Underrated Currency. They identified six types of kindness, deep listening, clear empathy, generous acts of discretionary effort that go beyond what patients and families expect, timely care that reduces stress and anxiety, and gentle honesty in discussions and conversations and thoughtful support for families and carers. So I would say that all of these aspects of kindness should be at the absolute heart of healthcare, giving us who are involved purpose, meaning, satisfaction and joy in the work that we do. In a system that likes to managerialize, it's hard to see how, how you can kind of put a structure around kindness that would allow you to see whether a culture was changing on the ground. How would you do that? I mean, we've got revalidation. Could, could it be built in there? Could it be bolted on? I think revalidation is fundamental to give assurance, both in terms of um, that the professionals who are being revalidated, because remember, it's not just doctors, regulation, revalidation threads through all professionals, um, but it doesn't capture or doesn't always capture what we're talking about here. Um, what we're talking about is multifaceted. We've talked about our humanness as people um, in the own concepts of, of our lives. So to put a transactional change, to put kindness, isn't 
doesn't actually cut it penny for me. But there is lots of different things. And I think, again, Carnegie's report, not just the Kindness Courage to be Kind report, but a lot of other work they've done in different communities, looks at shifting power, giving staff more autonomy. So you build in that trust and support and space to act in kindness. And we need to create the space to have conversations that tackle the target culture that is about governance, risk, audit and quantification because this is not about quantification. This is about the quality of care. And we need to hear stories to really embed that. And kindness is one of those words that sets some people off. Yep. I've been watching conversations take place on Twitter about it. And, you know, some people see this as nanny statism, as condescending woke speak, if you like, an infringement of individual rights even, or, or, or stating the obvious. Dr. Elizabeth Kelly, how would you respond to people that say this is all, you know, motherhood and apple pie? Um, so I think the first thing is to, to, I would suggest for many people making those responses is to look at themselves. That actually, how do they feel when they're actually making quite unkind statements about something that is fundamental to us all as people? That's the first comment. I think there are, in terms of public policy, um, there are two lexicons. And Julia Unwin talks about this in her report, Kindness, Emotions and Human Relationships, The Blind Spot in Public Policy. It was published by Carnegie a few years ago. So it's the language of metrics, value added of growth, resource allocation, regulation, and its impact. And there is the language of kindness, of grief, loneliness, love, friendship, of the ties that bind our sense of identity and belonging. And how often do we hear of those words in our public policy, in our media, in our, in our political discourse? Are they gone? They're surely fundamental to who we are as people within our societies. And if we don't bring them into the language in a positive way or decry them, how do we flourish as people, Penny? How do we flourish as carers? How do we deliver the best possible health care to improve the outcomes for people in their own lives? So leadership is critical, though. Uh, absolutely. Um, and I think Scotland, we've got some fantastic stuff to build on Penny. Look at the national performance framework right at the centre is that we treat everybody with kindness, respect and dignity. Thank you, Dr. Elizabeth Kelly. Now we delve deeper into kindness in leadership elsewhere in this podcast, the courage to be kind. But for the moment, thank you so much. This is The Courage to be Kind, a podcast exploring the role of kindness in health and social care workplaces in Scotland. More episodes and more information can be found on the Carnegie UK Trust website at www.carnegieuktrust.org.uk.